Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Do you like to receive unsolicited and unprofessional advice from people you have never met? Well, stop changing your baby. Stop watching the road as you drive and subscribe to this podcast. Offering insight into life's most cruel injustices. Personally, it's something that's really been affecting me and it's upsetting me generally. Yeah. Beef jerky prices. (laughs) 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 And what do your husband spend their money on? I do go to gas stations a lot and I'm, I'm addicted to chips. Um, yeah, my husband, there was one time that I, I, I ran into him in gas stations. (laughs) (laughs) They even take the time to answer life's biggest questions. Let's start it off with a good one. What's funny, but not funny at the same time? Uh, what was it? Really? (laughs) The show or the actress? Subscribe to the brand new comedy advice podcast, Help is on the Way, with hosts Cameron Baker and Katie Krantz. Available wherever podcasts are. Well, available. Cameron and Katie are not professionals and not reliable for any damages or mistakes you make if you follow their advice. Good day. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Aggressive, are we? Scale it back a little, would you? I can't. I need full control of the wolf. I need to be stronger. I understand, but you're running yourself ragged. Just let him be, Ulysses. Do you think anyone could stop you or Frank from getting what you want? No chance. This is a nest of rats most tenacious. I'd prefer us a pack of wolves. I'm with him on that. Maybe we should take a break. A short one, though. Well, I'm tagging out for the evening. I'm not as spry as I once was. Watching Dusty take trainings so seriously 
actually invoked a bad feeling. Like innocence lost. Sure, he was an adult, but he had that youthful glow of ignorance. It's just a shame to see him jaded so quickly. Before I left the city with Ulysses, I used to watch over him. I used to shield him from the twisted horrors of the world in any way that I could, but nothing lasts forever. A common motif in my life's tapestry. Dusty was able to transform almost on a whim now. From young man to snarling beast, I could still see his sensibilities shine through the drool-dripping fangs. It looked like as far as his supernatural form went, he had a pretty strong command of his actions. No telling what his primal side would unleash when he saw Gareth again. The floodgates might open, and I wouldn't be able to blame him. Of course, there's no way I could stop him as the wolf anyways. I'm steering clear of that mess. I know not to get between a dog and his bone. I just didn't want Dusty to climb Revenge's mountaintop, only to find despair and another difficult journey back down. He would find his way back, probably better than I ever could. I got decades of baggage weighing me down after all. Sam didn't have any family, other than us, that is. The police took their statements and shipped Sam to the morgue, and it wasn't fair to him. But loss didn't affect me in the same way after Lady. It's not that I didn't care. I just hid all the parts of me away that something like this could shatter. Like it or not, I can't be racked with grief, guilt, or booze. My vices couldn't be tempted during the chaos. This is a time of war. He loved you too, Frank. He told me as much. What's that? I assumed you were thinking of Sam. Oh, Sam. Yeah, I loved him too. Is this what happens from here on out? Kill or be killed? No, at least I hope not. I don't want that life for you. You're just another schmuck at the table, Frank. The house always wins. I reached out to console him, but he had already turned and walked outside. He wasn't entirely wrong. There was a good chance more darkness was in our future. I figured I'd give Dusty space. I wasn't exactly the best at processing my grief or anger. Gosh, he looks destroyed. He only comes alive when he's fighting now. Time heals all wounds. Even wounds of the heart? Eventually. Something unspoken transpired between these two. Whether it was in the moment or in the past, I felt the echoes of heartache. Cordelia left the room, disappointed by Ulysses' answer. So were you two ever an item? You seem awful chummy. There's embers, remnants of a fire stoked in another life. Nothing is everlasting. In fact, most is fleeting. I know what you mean. We sat there brooding together over things taken and never returned. You know, at least she's still alive. Who? The siren you keep playing coy with. She recognized you immediately in the tunnels underneath that town. Even in the dark, she knew it was you. But you're both playing into this ruse of acting like you don't remember the other. Why? I see you're finally earning the title of investigator. It didn't end on a good note, but it was a long time ago. Over a hundred years. The older I got, the more I leaned towards wisdom and altruism. Granted, altruism is a concept, a theory. No one is perfect, but we aim for it. I was selfish, consumed with avarice and sloth. 
I spent my days in eternal Saturnalia. The revelry sounds delicious, but the fruit becomes overripened quickly. Parties weren't enough stimulus, so I imbibed on other vices, like smuggling and stealing of art and antiquities. I hadn't needed money in over a century, but thievery excited me, made me feel alive. I found myself in Denmark. I was hired to steal a rare jewel. That's when I met Cordelia. Of course, then, she was known as Rowena Dunmark, the Fox of Denmark. She was an art thief in Copenhagen, and the 19th century was a beautiful time for Danish art, and for stealing it. She had been keeping tabs on my visits, new to the game. I wasn't keen on covering my tracks. I stole the item from my mark and I was discovered. I ran along the Slotsholmen Canal, dodging in and out of alleys. Just when I was cornered, I was pulled into a doorframe and stripped of my jacket. Her soft lips pressed firm against mine, as the soldiers chasing me went right past my makeshift cover. The scene was shoddy at best, but the guardsmen were none the wiser. After that, we left Denmark, pulling off small-time heists from Germany to France. We sought thrill after thrill, till one beautiful crisp night in Paris. The crescent moon shone like a slit in the skies, peeking to heavens beyond. I proposed to her there. She seemed hesitantly happy, but happy all the same. We fell asleep talking about our wedding and how we'd invite every duke and duchess we ever stole from. When I woke up the next day, she was gone. There was a note, and all it said was sorry. You remember when I first mentioned her name, and you retreated to your office, mentioning the past coming back. It was all about her. Yes, I was flustered. There's a million cities. Why'd she have to come to Darkrim? In my experience, the more you want something to leave, the more it stays. Like a stray cat, when you leave out a bowl of milk. A waste of good milk. Did you love her? I did. Then it wasn't a waste. It never is. I poured him a glass of something stiff. It appeared as if we switched places. I was normally the one sulking, and he would help me navigate through tough times. I never really got to return the favor until now. You pouring me a glass. I must be truly spiraling into the abyss. Well, if you're gonna be rude, I'll keep it for myself. Give me the damned whiskey. Smiling, I passed the drink over and sat beside him. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Dusty run down the back hallway and out the door. It might do him some good to get out of here for a while. Why did she take Ulysses' keys? And why was she driving so fast? I'm glad I followed her in Frank's car. This was just too spontaneous, even for Cordelia. Something was up. I felt bad leaving the guys without a car. I'll worry about how to construct apologies later. Cordelia parked outside of a restaurant after leading me to the heart of Chinatown. We were about five blocks in on a ten-block stretch. She rushed inside like she was late for something. 
I love Chinatown. Don't get me wrong, there were still places you didn't want to be after dark. But the authentic cuisine and neon lights in the shape of dragons and Chinese characters delighted me. I wondered if there were dragons. I mean, there's a lot of things I thought would stay in kids' books and ghost stories that are out and about in our very own city. Even Ulysses, a man I've called a friend for quite some time, turned out to be not so human. Cordelia came out with a folder under her arm. She looked in my direction and I ducked behind the dashboard. I don't think she saw me. I peeked out to see her starting the car back up. That was a close one. Cordelia pulled away from the curb and drove at a much slower pace than before. We exited Chinatown and entered the red light district, where the morally ambiguous came to get their hands on stolen goods, drugs, and, yeah, companionship. I haven't been to this part of town in years. This place reeks of relapse and overindulgence. The less time I'm here, the better. I'd like to tell myself I'm okay now and that I'd never touch the substances trafficked out here again. But all it takes is a taste, and the claws dig deep and pull hard, like a feral cat caught in lace drapes. Cordelia finally put her vehicle in park. It was a small side alley and there was no way to get close without blowing my cover. So I parked on the street and got out on foot. She came out of the alleyway towards me and I slipped into a crowd of drunken people. She went into a nightclub, Medusa's. If this part of town was derelict, Medusa's was a void. A black hole of lost souls. All the horror stories I hear about missing women and kids being trafficked for sex, those stories start here. No one knows who the owner is. I've heard it was a woman. But like I said, this place was a mystery, and a dark one at that. I slipped in behind the busy doorman. The cocktail waitresses looked like they hated their jobs, begrudgingly eking out a false smile in an effort to pay their bills and keep their patrons happy. I'm not trying to be high and mighty, but I couldn't work here whether the depravity was real or not. The rumblings and whispers of what this place was under the surface sent shivers down my spine. Even when people call you a hero, there's only so much you can do and so many people you can help. This part of Darkrim reminds you of that. I followed Cordelia through a sea of dancers and drinkers, never seeing more than a glimpse before losing her again. She was slippery. Must have had a home field advantage pirouetting amongst the broken that lined these city streets. She headed to a door in the back of the building. Cordelia opened it with caution and tiptoed inside. I braced the door to control the sound and speed it opened with. It was a long, dark hallway. Wallpaper doesn't look like it's changed since the 20s. There was only a couple small bulbs lighting the way. A small handwritten sign said employees only. If anyone made it this far, they wanted to be here. It was too far out of the way for any inebriated guest to stumble upon. Entering through, it was yet another dark hall, longer, but not as wide. Almost as if it got smaller as you ventured further down. I hadn't thought myself claustrophobic, but I felt like reconsidering. I wasn't imagining things. The hallway did get smaller. The air was stifling and musty. Now I could reach both sides of the hall with my arms outstretched. 
What the hell was happening? I turned around expecting to see the walls taper to a broader tunnel. I wasn't so lucky. I continued moving down the hall, now having to hunch over. After a few more strides, I had to crawl. I needed to move as fast as possible. There was an open door within my view now, but the ceiling bearing down on me brought me to a prone position, struggling to squeeze through. I felt the fresh air run through the door in front of me. I was almost there. The door was just within reach. I grabbed the frame, but I didn't have the strength to pull myself in. The opening was shrinking smaller than the size of my chest, and I felt the pressure on all sides of my body. I had no leverage. I was going to die pinned to the ground in some twisted Alice in Wonderland death trap. Just as I felt like I was being crushed, a hand reached out to mine through the slit. As if a switch went off, I was standing in the doorframe. Hallway empty and wide open. Cordelia's hand in mine. She shook her head. This is a bad move, kid. You shouldn't be here. Thanks for helping me. Could I have actually died just now? Was that real? It was real. Until it wasn't. That's... not really an answer. We walked inside the room until we approached a balcony. Judging by the size of the building on the outside, the geometry of this place made no sense. There couldn't be a balcony here, and it certainly couldn't overlook a fancy den complete with a bearskin rug and fireplace crackling. Well, if that trap didn't scare you off, you might as well stay. Just stay quiet. He won't like you interrupting. Who? The shadow of a figure rose up from his fireside chair. Cordelia pushed me back and motioned for me to stay in the corner. Ah, come to your senses, have you? I trust you brought the key. Yeah, it's right here. But remember our deal, Andras? Andras! I plan on holding my end of the bargain. Cordelia pulled out a key I had previously seen in Frank's hands. She was betraying us. Trading in the key Frank was hiding? For what? A couple bucks? Power? I thought I'd started to see a new side to Cordelia, but she never changed. She's selfish and always will be. Ah, yes, it's so beautiful. You really can tell when something isn't made in this realm, can't you? It has a certain... sheen. Whatever. Take it and leave me alone. Alone? I may require more of your procurement skills. How about you work for me on retainer? How about you go fuck yourself? I'm done with this. All of it. Cordelia acted tough, but it was all bravado. She was shaking. What did he offer her that was worth her risking her life? Andras grabbed a poker from the rack next to the fireplace. Hmm. You're one of the few who know anything about the box or the key. Wouldn't want that information in the wrong hands. Andros raised his weapon in his hand, preparing to swing. I'm sure you agree that loose ends are messy. Right, Dusty? You should have brought better backup, Cordelia. I'm afraid neither of you stand a chance. Stop it! You thought to ambush me? I can see through your half-cocked plans a mile away. Stop it! Shut up, boy, and wait your turn. He gestured at the hallway behind me, and I heard the door close. I turned to look at the door. It was no longer there. He continued to beat Cordelia, smiling as blood trickled down his face. I felt red hot with rage. My skin was electric fire, and I yearned for a way to release it. I said, Stop it! 
<laughs> and what is this? Someone found those cheap trinkets. Despite only making guttural noises on the outside, since training with Ulysses, I had a better handle on the stamina of my consciousness. I wasn't afraid of the wolf now, and I can somewhat control my actions. It feels like trying to dictate a dream though, almost like the wolf itself has a partition of my mind. I grabbed Andras by the throat, slamming him into the chimney. She betrayed you. Let me go and I'll help you kill her. She was going to hand each one of you over to me. Dusty is lying. No, 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 Dusty. She betrayed you. She got Lady killed. She abandoned Ulysses. She's a scar upon the world. By giving him the key, he said he would leave you all alone. Cut this abscess from Gaia's bosom. He was right. She did betray us, time and time again, in one way or another. My grip around Andras loosened as he fell to the floor. Good little wolf. Now, kill her, so that we may all be free of pestilence. My claws raised, but it wasn't me. It was the wolf. I felt it tugging at my soul, seizing control. My hand came down furiously, but not to Cordelia. My fingers were slick with demon blood. Oozing down my arm, the wolf made the right move. Hell, it was smarter than me. There's no way I could think that fast on my feet and let Andras think he was successfully manipulating me. His look of shock almost made me pity him. My hand became a ball as I grabbed whatever I could, ripping outwards, setting Andras' unholy guts onto the floor. Oh, you wish you hadn't done that. Bad dog. He dropped to the floor with a rising pull of crimson. I changed back into my human form. Come on, Dusty. You need to leave fast. What do you mean? Pick me up. I'll be back soon. He's dead, Cordelia. I got him. It doesn't work like that, kid. We gotta leave. You don't... You don't want to be around when he gets back up. Sure enough, as I looked over, the blood started seeping back into Andras through the wounds I caused. I grabbed Cordelia and rushed out of the room. The heck is he? To come back after a total disembowelment? I'm sorry, Dusty. Here. I can't be trusted with this any longer. I almost got us killed. He's too ruthless to strike a deal with. I was just hoping I could free us from this. Until he dies, we're going to be constantly looking over our shoulders. I'll take the key, but only because I know I can hurt him if he attacks me. And just because you're doing it for our benefit doesn't make it okay. It was reckless. Frank and Ulysses will not be happy. We could always keep it between us? Between your broken nose and my torn clothes, I don't think they'll buy it. Besides, haven't you lied enough? Well, stranger, we appreciate you stopping by to spend some time with us in the shadows. If you want more Neon Shadows, head over to at Neon Shadows Pod on all social media and check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Neon Shadows Pod. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. The cast of this episode was Dusty Willis voiced by Dan Faulkner. 
Cordelia, voiced by Amber Wren. Frank Dixon, voiced by Ian Knowles. Andras, voiced by Tim Duplissy. And Ulysses, voiced by Sean Goodrich. The theme song is Neon Shadows, performed by Amber Wren, written by Tyler Brown and Ian Knowles. Neon Shadows was created and written by Ian Knowles. All rights reserved, copyright Blunderbuss Studios 2021. Reuse or reproduction of our content is strictly prohibited. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.